Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you're listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. With me today is a very close friend, Carmen Alita. Carmen Alita, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm feeling really good, actually. It's a good little Wednesday afternoon here, and we have our little time carved out. Um, and uh, I'm excited to hear your opinions on this subject because we talk multiple times a week, but I don't think we've ever talked directly about this subject. Right. We've probably talked about it uh, a little bit, but not a whole long, in-depth kind of thing. I'm a little bit nervous, though. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, everyone is, and um, it goes away probably by the six-minute mark is my guess. But uh, I'll start with a softball easy question that I ask everyone. Uh, if you could, could you just give us your age, uh, where you consider that you grew up, and then what generation you think you belong to? And any answers are fine. All right, because you know I never reveal my age, but I would say, <laughs> I would say that I identify with the Generation X, but I really think I have a lot of, I think I'm a mixture of all of them, actually, because um, my kids are uh, Z and Y or whatever it is, so, and, or millennials, so then I have their, they, their parts are in there, too, and then my parents, they would have been, like, traditionalists, so I have all their stuff in there, too, and then I'm really actually born on the end of uh, baby baby boomer. So uh, that tells you that. And then I'm from Detroit, Michigan, but I've been in uh, Arizona or the Phoenix, Arizona area for about, uh, let's see, 27 years. Awesome. Very cool. And um, I think because you brought up family, I'm going to go into questions kind of about family. So I'm going to start with, um, were you raised with a traditional religion or anything like that? Uh, yes, my family and I, we went to uh, a Christian Methodist church basically every Sunday. My uh, grandmother was uh, on several of the boards and just all of that. Both of my grandparents were. My mom taught Sunday school. I was active in church um, most of my life uh, until, oh, and um, while that was going on at the same time, I was going to Catholic uh, uh, private school from third grade all the way through high school. So I got a dabble of that there, too. Um, and then I had a major life event happen um, when I was about 17 years old. And that took me on this quest to find out who was God and all of that kind of stuff. And I think I have a pretty unique perspective on that. Awesome. Before that event, um, when you weren't searching for God, did you feel like any sort of connection with life and death and, and the subject of this podcast, like how your view on death affects the way you live? Or were you just kind of a normal kid just going through life? I feel like I was just kind of a normal person going through life. But um, I always, always, always had this question in my head, like, if God could create anything, why would he create this? You know, so that always was very, um, very interesting to me. So 
uh, as you were going through these two different branches of religion, at least to me, there are two different ones, Catholicism and then Christianity or the Methodists, I think you said, um, were you, were you at all like interested in the, the religious side of religion, like, like pursuing it, going on and, and doing something with it? Or was it just always like on the side? No, actually, to tell you the truth, I actually did at one time feel like I had a calling for ministry, and um, I always uh, wanted to go to ministerial school, but the school that I wanted to go to, um, you know, it just wouldn't, it just didn't work out with the things that were happening in my life because I was starting my family and I got married and all this other kind of stuff was going on um, in that direction. So I took the whole different path. And then I did end up um, uh, being a chaplain at my church for like 10 years or something like that. And I do have a minister's license. So Very cool. And I know that you have a minister's license. Why? Because? <laughs> because I got to have the pleasure to uh, marry you and your beautiful wife. <laughs> That's right. Who's the uh, the producer of this podcast? She's super awesome. I was hoping that would come up just because it's fun to give you that. Um, it was it was great. It was such a pleasure. And so I bring this up because um, I actually only knew that you had that. I didn't know why you got it and that it was part of your actual interest. So like I said, there are things I'm going to discover about you. A lot of things, I'm sure. And so as I just learned that side of you, I'm curious still going to your childhood um, before this event at 17, did you, uh, was there anyone close to you who passed away? Like, what's the first time you remember really thinking about death specifically? Not religion, just death. Hmm. I mean, you know, because my uh, family was so active at the church, they would serve at different funeral services all the time and stuff like that. So I was kind of used to that aspect of it. But as far as someone um, passing, I just remember a really dear friend that I've known since, I mean, a long, long time, many, 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 many years. And uh, her grandmother, who was her heart and soul, you know, and it's really interesting that I never actually met her grandmother that I can think of, or maybe I met her once or twice. Anyway, I digress. Uh, her grandmother passed, and I, of course, went to, uh, well, at that time, I went to the funeral to support her, and I just remember leaving there, and she was so incredibly sad. I just never seen any people be in that big of a group be so incredibly sad, and I remember when it, when uh, the day was over, I went straight over to my grandparents' house, and I, like, Back them to never die, which was like really, and I just remember that knowing that I was going to be on this uh, podcast, and I remember that um, I remember that experience, you know. Um, but I have a vastly different view of it since that time. But I think I was probably twenty in I don't know, was I in my twenties? I don't know. Yeah, or maybe I was younger than that. I don't know. I can't really remember. I'm not good with timelines like that. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um, what I'm more curious about is, is because I know you now, and I met you, I think, three, maybe four years ago, and um, you're not a person who seems in any way flummoxed or, like, bothered by death. I mean, the subject seems not like a hobby of yours at, at all, but just that it doesn't really affect you. And so can you... That story you told, it clearly affected you to see someone else affected by it. Do you remember the first time 
either the thought about death or an actual death affected you personally? I remember um, my sister and I, I have one sister, um, we had a dog and the dog died. I remember that. And, you know, maybe, a, you know, dozen fish or so, those kind of things. But I can't really remember any death that really impacted me until my grandmother passed. And do you feel comfortable talking about that a little bit? Mm, sure. Um, just kind of like, how did it affect you or why? And again, you can speak from like your current perspective, however you want to answer it, but just, uh, I'm trying to get that. Yeah. I got you. Well, at the time, at the time I was like devastated. I, I just, it's so odd that even though you know, it's permanent, you don't really know it's permanent until you experience the permanentness of it. And uh, I remember the, the day the, you know, the, my family was very involved with her care, with all the hospital staff, which was extremely phenomenal. And this was years and years and years ago. Um, and so we were uh, all called because it was close to the time, you know. So we all went in and I remember, uh, you know, I just remember seeing her there and saying um, to her, because my middle name is, I'm named after her. And people would always call her Isabel, but her name is actually Isabella. And so I remember asking her, is it Isabel or is it Isabella? And she's like, it's Isabella. And then I remember just saying, I love you. And just, it was just like, not final then, but then shortly after that, it was final. And then it's just always remained in my mind ever since then all these years that there's never, ever, ever, ever enough times that you can say, I love you, or that you can hug someone that you love or share an experience with them. So um, that's just always stayed in my heart. You know, it was just always, it was a very interesting feeling of it, you know, like, okay, how many times can I say it? And it's still not going to be enough. I, I am so right there with you. And as you said that, I felt that feeling just, um, it's so interesting that we all share that and we all understand that, you know, and, and everyone at some point sees tragedy in, in their form, I, I believe. And so for you, um, you said that you now have, I, I cannot remember how you phrased it, but I'm going to phrase, paraphrase you and say, you have a, somewhat of a confidence about what you think uh, this is all about. Uh, meaning like what the, well, let me just ask you bluntly. Do you think you understand or know what happens when you die? I don't think I know the answer to that. Uh, let me see. Do I think I know the answer to that? I do not think I know the answer to that. I do. Th I do have a belief, but I don't think I know. <laughs> well, let's, let's get into that. What's um, the difference between a belief and a, like, I understand what you're saying, and you're not just trying to be humble. You're you're being very honest, and I like that. So I want to know, like, where does this confidence you have about how to live life come from? Because I do believe you have a confidence about how to live life. Well, I believe um, because I've had many, 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 many near-death experiences, um, and each after each one, as different as they were or similar as they were, because um, I've been in several car crashes I've, and walked away, thank 
thankfully. Um, I've almost drowned a couple of times. I've, I've been kidnapped twice. <laughs> so, I just want to repeat that for our audience. She's been kidnapped twice. <laughs> I just think that's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I just think after each time something happened, um, and they were all throughout various stages of my life, it just hit me at different different points. But each point was always take life deeper, take the meaning of life deeper, ponder the meaning of life more, um, try to get the, you know, quote unquote, best out of life as much as you can. And um, I think the conclusion that I'm really at is anytime that you're sharing love with another person or a human being, another human being, a person, they're the same thing, right? Or an animal or whatever. Anytime you're sharing love, um, I just don't think it can be a bad thing. Wow. That's, that's great. Um, okay. Pick any of them. I don't care which, but give us one like of your near-death experiences and just kind of how that then gave you a little push like that. Can you pick any of them? Oh, let's see. Um, wow. Um, or maybe like, what was the earliest maybe if that's easy? The earliest probably would have been the first time that I almost drowned. And, um, I was, I hadn't been swimming in a really long time. Uh, don't really know how to swim all that well, but hadn't been in a really long time. I was probably a teenager, like 13 or so, and totally forgot the pool rules and just jumped, ran and jumped, you know, cannonball jumped into 10 feet of water. And um, I just can remember my aunt and uncle that had taken us, and I remember them, my aunt just screaming, Carm's in the pool, Carm's in the pool. And just when I thought I was going to have to take that breath, he like, grabbed me by my waist and just threw me up in the water and out of the water, and I was able to catch a breath before I went back down. <laughs> so that was crazy and like you know 13 it's kind of cool but it's kind of super scary too you know and um just that particular one made me um very much a rule follower um i believe it affected me that way i do believe in following the rules and checking the rules and being informed on the rules so um that's what happened out of that near-death experience that's a really good story. And I like how you phrased it because it's, um, first of all, I just thought of something interesting, which is no one would, would define near death the same way. So when you, when you said the story, it's, it's totally interesting to me because I think at like in, in your mid thirties, you may or may not have viewed it the same way, but at 13, that is totally a near death experience. Like it's, it's truly scary. Cause I had a similar thing with like an undertow in Mexico when I was about 12 or 13 and, and I'll never know how close I actually was to dying. I just know that I thought I was going to die. Um, and so with your story, it's like terrifying if I think of like any of my relatives at that age having that experience. And so that got you to follow rules. So that kind of gave you like a human thing to do. Um, did it provide you with any, any spirituality by any chance? Mm, no, I don't remember any. No, I don't remember any difference there. You know, probably um, said thank God or something like that, you know, um, and definitely thank you to my uncle, but, um, 
yeah, I don't think much spiritual growth uh, came out of that. You know, probably a bunch of prayers, you know. Um, my grandmother was very big on that. And when we got in the car, we had to pray before we did that. I mean, seriously, this long, you know, five-minute prayer. And then when we got back, we had to have another prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was a prayer about that. Got it. So actually speaking of prayer and speaking of spirituality, um, in the modern uh, context, so like today, as you sit here on this interview, um, what is your opinion in general of why your behavior is the way it is? So in other words, the normal question I ask people is how does your view on death affect the way you live? This is kind of a little more nuanced in that since you've talked around and directly about that subject, I'm curious, like right now, do does the way you live your life have anything to do with your opinion of, or your belief, as you stated, of what happens when you die? Mm, I think my, no, I would say it, it's probably more based on my spiritual beliefs. <laughs> I guess I would say my comfort level, you know, um, just my goals and different things that I'm comfortable with or that I want to expand on. I would say that's what drives how I live my life right now. Got it. So if I called you tomorrow and this is probably not going to happen, but let's just pretend. And I said, Hey, I know this bank and they're really lazy and they don't close the vault correctly. And I've noticed this seven times. What do you say? You sit in a car with the engine running while I go in and rob it tomorrow. Would you say yes or no, and why would you give your answer? Hmm. Um, this is going to be recorded and placed in now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say no. Um, I would say no. Uh, that doesn't appeal to me in any way, shape, or form. Got it. When's the last time you can remember something that's... Well, no, that's not the right question. So you said you follow rules, and I understand why you do. Are there any rules or laws that exist, and you do not need to be specific, that you don't follow and you know you don't follow them and you think it's just A-okay that you don't follow them? And again, you do not have to specify what they are. Yeah, um, driving. <laughs> I, but I am, I do work diligently to be a good driver. And I do notice like when I'm driving in my neighborhood, I don't want people speeding through my neighborhood. So I don't speed through my neighborhood, you know, and I just try to be a better and better and better and more conscientious driver. Um, so yeah, that would be one of the rules that I break routinely. <laughs> yeah. And we have that in common. And so did a different guest I already interviewed. Um, I think that might end up being like the most popular answer, but it, it's a good question to kind of segue into the rest of what I'm trying to feel out, which is, um, basically just morality. Uh, everyone has a different concept of morality and it has to do with laws. It has to do with parenting. It has to do with everything. And you've raised very successfully three children. I know all of them and they're all technically adults and acting like it. And you know, they're on their own now. So what would you say is, uh, now that you don't have kids who are necessarily watching your every breath and your every move, what keeps you from like you, what you just specified was the golden rule. It's your own neighborhood and you don't want other people speeding through it. So what, can you extend that a little further? What, how much, how often is the golden rule driving your morality, so to speak? Hmm. Interesting. Um, well, actually it's really interesting that you would bring up my kids. Cause I, you know, I do have three, um, 
a daughter, Stephanie, and a daughter, Jessica, and my son, James. And um, it's funny, they get into a competition about who's my favorite. And truly, 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 I do not have a favorite. They're each my favorite for the thing that they're my favorite for. Um, but I often say, I want to be like Stephanie. She's my oldest. Um, I often say I want to be like her when I grow up. And um, it's interesting. I just recently had a little tiff with a family member and um, in trying to smooth it over or do my amends on it. Um, and I was dug in, man. I'm telling you, I was dug in. I wanted to, you know, be right. And I am right and that kind of thing. But I wanted to also move this relationship forward. And so I was thinking about it. And I know some people be like, what would Jesus do? And it's like, well, what would Stephanie expect me to do or say here? And so I did just want them to be proud of me. So I would say that that has a lot to do with it. Like, I want all three of them to be proud of me. Um, I made a financial goal that I've been working on for maybe two years, and I reached, recently reached it, you know, and uh, we celebrated it around the, uh, the holiday time. And... Um, uh, you know, near the end of the year, uh, holiday times. And uh, so it was really interesting that they were all very proud of me. So I think that that runs me a lot too. That's cool. That's really good. And um, that uh, totally brings me back around to the question I almost asked earlier, but didn't, but now I do want to get to it. You do have a belief of what happens when you die. Can you just share what that is? What do you believe? I just believe that I'm just going to be a soul, like an orb, I guess. Um, I don't really have a true, true definition of it because I just think that it's something that doesn't make human sense. Um, so on one hand, I'm a little bit curious to see what it would be, um, but I'm in no hurry at the same time. <laughs> no hurry at the same time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good answer. And I have a couple questions around it that I'll try to ask in the limited time we have. So let's say you're very wrong or you're very right. Or either way, do you feel pretty confident that you're okay? Yes. And as far as because you went to a Catholic school, and I know Catholicism, from what I understand it, really, really presses this, there is a hell and it's for bad people. Do you still to this day or did you ever believe that there is like a bad punishment for behavior on earth? That just never made sense to me. And as I've grown older and had life experiences, what I believe is that you can create your heaven on earth. And um, I think it depends on different things that are that, you know, makes each person comfortable or their quality of life can factor in if you're in hell or if you're in heaven. Um, so I, that's where I place that concept. Um, it just doesn't really for some reason doesn't make sense to me. Um, that, you know, especially with all the different little loopholes, because all you have to do is say, you know, this, or you do that, or cross this, or, you know, they've got all these different rituals you can do, and you got to pass. So that just doesn't make sense to me. So what do you tell your children? What do you tell yourself? What do you tell someone like me when something really seemingly unfair happens, or when someone's just really cruel? Like, you know, this summer we had um, the the 
like law enforcement issue with Mr. Floyd dying. We had like the, you know, the national election. We just, just so many like different versions of what good behavior is and what bad behavior is with so many different opinions. How do you personally explain that to yourself and, and maybe to your kids, but really to yourself? Really? I just kind of have, I just kind of try to think about where is the good in that, you know, like what is the forward movement? Why is that the choice, you know? So, and it's really interesting because I sit there and I think and I ponder that a lot. So if you really believe that there's no coincidences, there's no mistakes, well, then even Mr. Floyd's uh, murder, as tragic as it was, was not a mistake, you know? And for me personally, I feel um, restored and renewed of, by his sacrifice, um, I wish that it did not have to happen. And I do truly look forward to a day that these types of things aren't happening. Um, and who am I to say? So it's that's like a real perplexing thing to me because it's like, who am I to say what's right or wrong or who should go or who shouldn't? Who am I to question God, so to speak, you know? Um, so that's really been the thing. Like when my mom passed, that was probably where I think I solidified what I believe about when a person or a loved one passes over. And um, it's a really long story, but we ended up having two different services, um, my sister and I, because we live in, you know, two different states. And so we ended up having two different ones. And I just, the way that my mom wanted to be honored was just a really interesting thing. And I just think that she wanted a celebration of life and we didn't have like a funeral service or any kind of church service or anything like that. Although it was at the church, but um, we didn't have a religious type service um, and it was more of a spiritual. And so it was just a really cool thing. And it just helped me to adapt the feeling of it's the circle of life, you know, and just try to make the best on this side of the six feet as I possibly can. Well, that is a fantastic answer. And I do have barely enough time to finish, but I am going to let you have one last question kind of to answer because I, I feel like it's been heading to this. Uh, what do you hope your legacy is when you do die? Oh, boy. <laughs> Wow. Um, geez, I have no idea. I just, I don't know. I guess I just hope people think that I was a really cool person and I shared love and that I, that, that they say nice things about me, that I was kind and generous and a good person. Well, to me, you've always been kind, you've always been generous, and you've always been a good person. So I will make sure that I help with that part of your legacy. Um, Carmelita, you've been an amazing guest. Uh, we talked so often that this time just flew by. I mean, I cannot even believe it's been half an hour. Um, I just want to thank you again. Anything you want to add? Yeah, it's been, it was a blast, and it would be my pleasure to be back on. And I thought a half an hour, what the heck am I going to talk about for a half an hour? And it's already over with, so yay, that was great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, Carmen Alita, thank you again for helping us put another nail in the coffin. And again, I am Mike Oppenheim, and this is Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, and we will see you soon. Walking alone when I walk.